welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. In this episode, my guest is Vicky Barnes, which is the founder of Positive Wellbeing. She's a very experienced mental health and well-being consultant, specialist in positive psychology, and she has worked with some great organizations, including the NHS and Virgin. Ricky and I talk about the potential next crisis, the mental health crisis, and how organizations and leaders need to start preparing strategies for mental health and well-being as the teams return and face great uncertainty. We especially talk about how to make people feel safe as they return to work. This will, in my view, be one of the biggest challenges for team leaders in the coming period. Vicky also gives some great advice on how to manage your own and your team's mental health and well-being. Grab headphones, coffee and enjoy. Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We are in early July and uh, we are very close to reopening society because uh, this weekend, bars, restaurants, hotels uh, will reopening for the people who have decided to reopening. And uh, now we are potentially through the, 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 the face of what you call lockdown. And uh, there has been a lot of talk about how it would look after lockdown uh, and uh, what the consequences are. And actually, we're going to be talking about today one of these consequences. There's actually something I've been talking with a lot of uh, people in the industry, especially leaders that's aware of that one thing is opening and getting back into business, but also there's another challenge coming ahead, and that's the mental health crisis, if you would use a very strong word for that. And for this, we have a very special guest today, Vicky Barnes. Does actually have a lot of experience around mental health and also worked with some incredible brands, but she would tell you that in a moment. So welcome to the podcast, Vicky. Thank you, Michael. It's great to be here. And uh, Vicky, for people that haven't heard about who you are and what you have been up to and what you're focusing on now, can you give them like your your short elevator pitch on on all those three things? Absolutely. I qualified as a clinical psychologist in 2011. So that's my profession. Uh, After years of study and work experience, I did the three-year doctorate in Exeter and Devon. And since then, I worked for over 10 years in the NHS in various clinical teams. And I found this thing called positive psychology really early on, which quickly became my passion, which is all about being your best self. And it's the science of human flourishing and it's it's really aligned with how I live my life and how I want to do more so. So I started to work with that as my main model and and then after working with the NHS for some time I spent four years working with Virgin. The CEO asked me to create and lead a staff well-being program. So I jumped at it obviously because it was an opportunity to use positive psychology full time. So I became the national lead for positive psychology and um, colleague well-being for seven and a half thousand staff and it it was an amazing experience and and one of my career highlights was uh (laughs) nipping over to the British Virgin Islands and spending a bit of time with Richard Branson himself and I pinched myself a few times (laughs) in that moment but it was a great a great experience to help people out there after the hurricane 
And then just over a year ago, I started to work as a freelancer and I, I set up my own consultancy and founded Positive Wellbeing, which is the name of the business, and dived into specializing in positive well-being and happiness for any organizations, really forward thinking organizations, designing and leading well-being programs for their staff, for anybody who wants to invest in and look after their people. And mental well-being and positive psychology is the heart of everything that I do. And, you know, it's some of my greatest passion. And I think, as you've said, it's just really, really important to be focusing on mental health at the moment. And what kind of approach do you said you have here? You have your way of focusing on living your best version of yourself. And I couldn't agree more with that. But what is the approach when you go in and work with an individual or an organization? What is it like the steps that is normally taken to get a successful outcome? Well, an ideal approach would be to work with the whole organization, obviously, because we need to look after everybody. But quite often, I do tend to start with working with uh, leaders. So it might be the CEO, I do some consultancy with them, or it might be a leadership team or some influencers in the organization, at least so that they can embed and filter down some mental well-being strategies, I suppose. And in an ideal world, I'd start with an assessment. So a bit of a kind of just see what what's going on in the organization, where they're their mental health is at present and then I'd make some specific recommendations on an individual basis for for teams or the whole organization if it's pretty small and if if specific individuals are struggling obviously I would always offer some kind of therapeutic support but my preference is to take an overarching kind of everybody in approach because I think that when everybody's talking about this stuff and everybody's using the same language it's really, really helpful and it really gets embedded more effectively. So that's the way that I prefer to work. Coming back to uh, the situation we're in now, as you just uh, alluded to in your intro, is that mental health is more, it's, it's always been important, but we are now in a situation where there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, a lot of people have been changing their working patterns. Uh, some people has been, you know, not even working. They've been on furlough. Some people are very worried about, do they have a job? What's going to happen with the company I work for? How is my business going to thrive? And uh, and I've been hearing and also observing myself, and I can see that with the people I'm around, that uh, you, know, you can be like in this soldier mode, I would almost call it, for a period of time, which started in the beginning of the lockdown. You came from the old paradigm, you got the shock, we all grabbed our weapons and went out and thought we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna survive this and we're gonna get over it and we did all the right things to get our order in house and now we come to this you know maybe starting realizing and reflecting that it's quite a big big challenge that's in ahead ahead of us and it actually can have you know some big big consequences on on the wheel of life financially and family and yeah, and job security and so on so so how do you see this and how do you see that the the pandemic have affected mental health in general up to now i don't think we have the full picture but yeah i don't think we do have the full picture yet in some ways michael things haven't changed too much because mental health has always been really important and it's been a big problem already so in it's an it's a really vital issue that we all need to to address and keep at the forefront of our agendas you know, for example, I've I've stayed really busy from the outset of this pandemic, just trying to support people in any way that I could. My work changed a lot, but I stayed really busy because mental health didn't just come from the pandemic, you know. But but having said that, in other ways, everything changed because 
as you've just said, rightly so, we've all had to work out completely new ways of doing what we do. Some people have, have lost, others have, have gained different different things. And I've had to learn how to navigate this virtual world like everyone else, which isn't my preference. I like to see people and be around people face to face. And it's a change that we didn't anticipate or choose, which is always tough on our mental stability. So it certainly made us all take stock, I think. Think about the way we live our lives, how we spend our time, what's important to us and what we've missed through being isolated and what we need more of. So exercise, social connections and things like that. And I think for me, my main concern, and I've experienced it myself through this period of isolation, is loneliness is a huge part of the problem. And we shouldn't underestimate the longer term effects that the loneliness that people will have felt is going to have, and it shouldn't be taken lightly. So I wonder whether we'll see the real impact of all of this time on our mental health in in the months to come and this often happens when we we go through the motions of just getting by each day don't we we pick ourselves up we do what we need to do to stay afloat and then our mental health taps us on the shoulder a little bit later and says okay is it okay to spend a bit of time on me now (laughs) and that's why I think it's really vital that we don't lose the momentum of focusing on our mental health through this whole process so we don't end up with that huge mental health crisis down the line and I guess also um there's also the the, the reality that uh, there's many people that have actually, you know, as you said, started exercising more, eating more healthy, spending time, maybe meditating more, whatever they did. And it's been good for them not being on a, a commute all the time. But I guess now we're going into the phase of this uh, feeling psychologically safe in a way, because up to now, money hasn't been an issue. There's been furlough or people still been paid. But now we have this change in the world where we are going into some form of recession. They all, it looks like, because now it looks like that many industries are, you know, becoming more indolly, lean companies are axing jobs and so on. And I guess that's where, you know, you really receive impact organizations and thereby also societies they operate in. What is your thinking around, like, when you go in, if you take companies organization and teams how do you think this has impacted them positive and and negative when it comes to to mental health I think a bit of both I probably experienced something similar to most in those first moments or days of the pandemic shock how is this going to work am I going to be okay people were pressing pause on their work because none of us really knew what was going to happen and in a sense we still don't know but humans are superbly adaptable and we've quite quickly come through to a stage that where we're making the most of the way things are right now and making future plans to benefit ourselves and our work and I think that organizations and leaders they will likely have felt an increase in responsibility and accountability for people you know having to spend their time and energy on working out how to keep their business going to support staff with all kinds of different personal circumstances at home and their individual needs, plus the task of looking after themselves too. So I think everyone's experienced this differently, and people across the spectrum of job roles and personal circumstances, of course, some have found it easier than others, but I'd say that everyone's experienced difficulty in some way at some point through this. But the need for flexibility and adaptability of organisations and leaders through this has, has probably been quite immense. Um, how do you think that the chains of work 
it's going to be looking in 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 the in the months to come do you think we're going to continue working from home and what uh, if yes what impact is that going to have on the the individual what does leaders needs to be aware of in that situation i think we are going to continue working from home more than we ever have before from what i'm hearing most people are seeing the benefits of it but don't want to do it all of the time so my hope is that there'll be more flexibility and i'm speaking to lots of companies who are saying that actually they're they're kind of offering their staff that flexibility if they can so they can go into an office when when and when they need to or when they feel like they want to see some faces you know <laughs> be around some actual human beings and but the rest of the time they can work more flexibly from home and there's a safety element isn't there as well so more home working is probably going to be safer in the coming months but i think that's safety from a physical health perspective from a covid perspective but Obviously, from my perspective, we need to look after that, but we also need to remember that mental health is just as important. And if we're if we're struggling being at home all the time and not having those interactions with our teammates, then it's really good if we can can do a bit of both. So I my vision is that people have realized how much they can do from home now. So there'll always be that element to it. And we can save money with commuting, we can save time from not commuting, we can help save the environment, which is really great. That's one of my personal passions and something that I hope we keep. But at the same time, we've got to get that balance right. And and that's my that's my hopeful vision anyway. If you take uh, you take we're talking about working from home and we, we talked about a bit before we get on the podcast, the uh, the amount of Zoom calls and uh, the impact that can have on your 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 bandwidth or your your energy battery, because we almost talked about this, even when you do that, it almost taps your battery harder than it would if you were, if you were meeting face to face, because it's it's a very different way of communicating. Ha, ha, what is your thinking around Zoom or online versus uh, the real world? I know it's maybe difficult to do the real world now, but you're talking about this balance where, what is your thinking around Zoom and what leaders should be aware of as, as the world progresses with the amount of Zoom calls? I think that Zoom and all of these online platforms have been an absolute lifesaver for a lot of businesses. Don't get me wrong. I think it's been amazing. Technology has really, really come into its own and pulled us through. However, <laughs> a lot of people now, myself included, are getting a little bit overwhelmed with the amount that we need to do on um, such video conferencing platforms now. So it does take its toll and if we look at the neuropsychology of it it takes a lot more energy and effort for our brains to communicate via a 2d image so when you're looking at somebody on a screen you're not getting all of those natural cues that you'd normally get when you're face to face so just little nuances in body language and changes in behavior or little shifts that you might notice when you're in the room with somebody they're not even conscious things but your brain's always looking for information to adapt your own communication and interaction style and we don't even know that we're doing it but it happens when we're in in real life face-to-face situations with people quite easily because that's what we're used to from birth we've grown up with this so now we're having to work our brains are having to work twice as hard trying to find out what's going on with somebody else how are they really feeling do they mean what they just said are they happy are they are they okay are they needing to uh, leave now and it's it's very strange to be staring at a screen constantly and not having all of those same facial expressions or 
gestural poses or you know not walking around a room and it, it does make a big difference and it, it's harder on us neurologically so it's no wonder we're all shattered you know <laughs> spending so much time on these video conferencing um software packages so it's it's again it's a bit of a it's great you know it's a wonderful thing that we've had that as an opportunity to keep going but i think we need to make sure we don't just use that and not not realize the importance of face-to-face contact and i guess again that's part of uh, you know you said uh, the leaders has been you know ha- having a lot of responsibilities first of all to, to save the business and then the individuals and now they need to find a new way learning a new way of working and actually lead that that process what how do you think this is impacting you know if you are a leader and you have people that reports to you what about their mental health because um, from my you know previous experience in my own life been through two recession also this one now Uh, you are always in this interaction gap, I think, where you always there's always something you could do better. You're never done as a leadership. You're never done with that, and you're always in service of other people, and that that takes a lot of energy from you. What is your your thinking around how this impacts leaders in in the moment, and what should they be aware about? Well, most of the work that I do is with leadership groups. As I said before, when I'm working with organisations, it tends to be the leaders that that want my kind of consultation time to start with, so that they can get a sense of how to help their people, which is fantastic. But obviously, at the moment, that that's leading me into lots of conversations around how they are doing, which is wonderful because I get get to hopefully help them too. And what I'm hearing a lot of is that they're never switching off. So I know how very vital it is to have some boundaries between your home and personal life. And and it's okay to have a bit of a blend and to be flexible, but it's really important to have some time where you're just really having that downtime where you're not having any work calls or emails or notifications coming in and you're switching your brain off from work and into home, pleasure, personal life, whatever it might be. And what I'm hearing from leaders is they're not really feeling like they can do that because not only have they got their day-to-day jobs to do as normal, you know, business as usual, but they've been having to sort everything else out to to flex and change because of the pandemic and all of this unforeseen circumstance that we found ourselves in. So I think that they've been really struggling to find that time to switch off. And as you've just said, you know, you're completely right that there's they are in a role of responsibility and accountability. So they don't want to drop the ball because they're seeing this as their role is to serve their people. But I, I, and that is absolutely paramount for their role. But what's also paramount is that they look after themselves because we know that we're no good to anybody when we're not functioning well ourselves. It's like the the analogy of when you get onto a, a plane, you know, remember those days when we could, we could all fly around the world and, <laughs> and the, um, the safety announcement tells you, if the if the oxygen drops and the, the masks come down then you must put your mask on yourself first before you help even a child and it's counterintuitive because you think if you're with a baby or a child you'd want to put the mask on them first but actually you need to be in tip-top shape yourself before you can do a good job for other people so that's a lot of the work that I'm doing with leaders at the moment and it's very counterintuitive for them but um, it's uh, it's not about being selfish it's about looking after everybody in the best way that you can and be in the best form that you can be in Yeah, and I totally agree. And I uh, and actually, that's how, how it's always been. And you are you sometimes just forget that because you 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 give give give, and then suddenly you're just empty, and you're empty at the absolutely wrong point where you actually needed to be full of energy. And it starts with you know the first step in leadership in my world is leading yourself, 
and that's your energy levels, that's your, your skill. When you can lead yourself, you actually are in a much better positioning and you're in control of your own thoughts and balance and counterbalance or whatever you call it. Then you can actually, as you say, much better lead other people, whatever situation you go into. What advice do you give them to, to, to find back? Because, you know, because you cannot work yourself out of this um, because that's not ideal. You, you, there is the hours, there is in the day. Uh, and if you empty yourself in July, you're not going to be there in, in August, September, where maybe things things really take take off again. Um, what is your advice to leaders to, to find that counterbalance? I would rather call it, call it a balance. There are a couple of things. One is to know yourself. So we were talking about before we started recording, didn't we? Understanding what little niggles do you feel or hear in your body or your mind um, in the past when you know that actually after I started to feel this twinge in my my neck or I'm getting headaches or I'm having lots of negative thoughts and then I had a big crash and if you know that you've had that happen to you in the past then you know that those are the signs to look out for so knowing yourself is really important and listening to your body and listening to your mind and I would say that just taking a couple of moments every day to check in with yourself and just ask yourself how you're doing honestly and just listen to your body uh, and your mind as well is is really really important and remembering that you know I bounced back before and how you've done that how did you come through adversity we've all been through hardships before this in our lives by now so you know for me it's about talking to people and opening up and being honest about my struggles and it's amazing how effective it is to hear someone reflect back to you that they understand or even that they feel the same and that they can empathize and just letting out all of that emotional energy by talking about how you're feeling honestly so it's not festering and doing its thing inside when we keep it bottled up is so so important I think yeah it's a very interesting point you have there because I had a, a conversation like that last week where we both opened up by coincidence. It was totally random. We came down that line and uh, we know each other quite well, but we'd never talked about, you know, how we felt and how we dealt with things. And that was paramount for both of us Aww. to actually hear those stories because actually we're in the same place. We had the same struggles around, you know, what is the next step? Uh, and, 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 and both of us, it's very... Uh, very focused normally and always know what the plan is and, and in a way we we agreed it was okay not to know what the plan is yeah. actually that that are actually now starting to help me to deal with this situation better that's definitely one of the things I struggle with but I can't find the direction and see what my next thing is uh, and you can you can as you said you can play a hero every day but it just takes your takes your energy uh, slowly so I, I'm starting now to feel okay about not knowing exactly what's going to happen and just grabbing the positive opportunity that happens out of this. But yeah, it's it's really, I think you're right about that. Like having these conversations with people, maybe people you normally, um, because that, what I've learned is also is people are quite willing to talk about this in a different way than they was pre-pandemic about how they feel, which is quite interesting in business, I think, especially when you're business owners and MDs and CEOs. Uh, level um so yeah so i think you're right that's a really good advice well people are just people aren't they and and they're everybody's human at the end of the day and nobody knows you're struggling unless you let them know so nobody's going to help you unless you let them know and it's amazing how i spoke to a friend a little while ago about a, a really tricky time and i was quite scared of it because you know i'm a positive psychologist so how could i possibly not be happy and positive and i spoke to her and she she just said to me 
yeah, I felt like that last week. And I thought, oh, crikey, we, yeah, we need to talk about this. And nobody said, oh, that's, that seems strange or oh, that seems a bit, um, you know, out there or you need to be careful feeling so negative. And actually people just understand and then they're willing to help you and it pulls you through so much quicker power of sharing you know your concerns sometimes you you get surprised also sharing them with your your employees um uh, i have a i have a, a, a different projects i worked on and uh, i've been trying to to create this you know uh, psychological safety about sharing how we feel and it was a bit awkward in the beginning for people to share that but it always helped when uh, you know the uh, both the the senior people in those groups started first and you were surprised about how they are now helping each other out Uh, should I do that for you? Should I take some of your plate? Uh, should I do it? Because it looks like you have a lot of tasks this week. Should I do something for you? And it's just interesting because you had that humility and that psychological contract that's been created there. That's what I think, at least. Uh, I'm not a psychologist, but I can just see that the group have actually, that specific group have actually come together under this extreme environment. Um, and they're now all stepping up. And and that has definitely helped the the leader in of that group not to be over too overwhelmed. There's still a lot to do, but there's definitely definitely helped. There's a lot of things that can be done by other people as well. Sometimes, if you're willing to share where you are, talking about the leader and um, what is it? because there's a lot of pressure on this leader. We say, but what is the leader's role when it comes to mental health uh, now and going forward? Uh, because you know having this talk to you that people talking about this mental health crisis and you said it was already there it's probably just been amplified what what's going to be the leader's role in this because there's also a situation where the leaders has to make sure the business survive and make money and how do you make these two things work well there's this thing called a positivity performance connection and traditionally what we've we've believed is that all of these hard results like a successful business so whether it's greater sales or customer satisfaction or whatever it might be making money basically you know to run your business we've thought that those kind of hard results have been the way forward like these are the things to focus on but actually the research is now showing us that what we need to do is the positivity bit in the beginning which actually drives the hard results so this the softer skills of looking after our people at work and making sure we have a happy workforce and a healthy workforce actually creates the correct environment and culture for those you know hard hard results to happen so that's the positivity performance connection and we need to find that balance there so i think there's a leader's role in in always learning so not getting stuck in the old leadership traps of you know what <laughs> what a successful business model used to look like because the world's a very different place now so learning about new models of leadership so that i do a lot of work with leaders around something called positive leadership which won't surprise you because it comes from a positive psychology standpoint and i love that because it's all about what they can do to help their people and then they just find that everything else follows so they don't have to focus on hard sales and marketing and all of that stuff is so important but it's not this is my argument anyway it's not as important as your people to me that human element is the vital ingredient and everything else kind of follows on from that so what i'd say is that you know the leaders of course do have a role when it comes to mental health firstly to look after their own mental health as i've just been talking about before but also to put a clear strategy in place that everyone is aware of with identifiable support and resources that are accessible for everybody 
I'd say that proactive checking in, offering meetings that are specifically around mental well-being, um, offering a safe space to talk, real time for people to express how they're really feeling without any worries of any negative consequence. And that's the psychological safety that you're talking about. I love that. And, you know, asking how you're doing as part of the norm rather than having it as a checkbox exercise at the, you know, the six month professional development review as one question to say, oh, how is your mental health? Five. OK, check. <laughs> you know, that's not what we want to be doing. We want to create this culture of psychological safety so that everybody's using mental health language all the time so that it's normal. It's just routine. And people can just say, look, you know, I'm feeling anxious today or I'm feeling gloomy today or I need to just work from home today, for example, or whatever it might be. I need a check in. I need a conversation. I need some time off, you know, to have those conversations, talk about what's going on for them. I think that's that's the strategy that needs to be embedded into everything else that, that leaders do. I totally agree with you. And uh, this is not new positive performance cycle you're talking about that it actually starts with, you know, take care and make people feel safe. And everybody needs something different. I think there has been a program I'm watching. If you want to understand this in practice, I think uh, there is a, there is a documentary on Netflix right now uh, with the Chicago Bulls. It's called The Last Dance. And then there's a, a Phil Jackson, who is the coach. And you can see how he creates into individual circles of safety. He doesn't talk about that, but you can see how he takes the individual's need for doing different things. So, for example, Dennis Rotman, a very flamboyant basketball player, he just had some time to go and go crazy. And he accepted that. He was gone for two weeks for the team, even in the most important moments. It didn't matter. He knew when he came back, he was better than when he left because he had done that. And he knew, understand how to play these big, big egos in, 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 a, in a great way and take care of them because there's a lot of pressure on these people talking about mental health as well when you perform on that level in basketball and it's insane to see that actually by doing that he was the coach for many many years they won six nba titles and that's results not focusing on shooting one points or two points as you say it's not about the sales and the marketing i just think it's a great analogy for just to say i just had to put it in there because that, that's what i've been thinking while looking at that this is like you know if you look between the lines of what the story you're telling here is talking about a man that slowly build a successful group of people that stay together because it's the core team stay together all through this and win six titles and nobody has done it since um, and, and that's just impressive you know and that's from the sporting world and we often like to compare to that what about um you're talking about this uh this uh, like you know uh, the psychological safety and coping with the new normal um what are what are your top tips then uh, when it comes to to coping with this new normal, what are the three things that you know that will give you eighty percent right now, if you did get went out and do them right now as a leader with your team? Wow, well, <laughs> top tips. I'd say there are so many tips <laughs> that I could, give. and I tend to to do this a lot on my social media, posting kind of videos and contents about various techniques that I use. So they're all tried and tested by me. So I believe that they work really well. But my um, my go-to well-being boosters, I suppose, tend to be you know, practicing gratitude, uh, mindfulness, and noticing the good things. So I start each day with one grateful statement, and it can be to myself or to somebody else, or I might write it down on a sticky note and stick it on the mirror for the day, or whatever it might be. But it's it's always a statement 
in the morning, first thing when I wake up about one thing that I'm grateful for. And it doesn't have to be huge. It can be really small, but it's just something that I'm thankful for. And that sets up my day really well. And then I always end the day with three good things that have happened that day. So this is scientifically researched to boost our mental well-being and our happy chemicals. And again, they don't have to be huge achievements. We don't have to have run a marathon that day or climbed a mountain. It might be something really tiny, like I really enjoyed my chai latte or <laughs> or a, a conversation with a friend or whatever it might be. Um, and in the workplace, it could be, oh, I, you know, I managed to get through my to-do list or um, I've got my emails in my inbox down or whatever, anything, just t- just three good things because we don't, we don't celebrate those things enough. So if we end our day really well on the positive, then that's that's how I like to spend my day too. And and those two things, the gratitude and the three good things tend to bookend the day really well, because we know that if we start and we end a day well, then we remember that the days are, are better. So we're kind of tricking the brain in a sense that the whole day is being good because we've we've started and ended it well. But also the third thing is that at some point during my day, I take time to stop and pause everything and just focus on nothing else except the moment that I'm in and just breathe, find the calm amidst all of this other stuff that's happening that may not feel so calm at the moment, and just feel okay in myself, no matter what else is going on out there in the world. So so there we go, we've got gratitude, three good things, and mindfulness, I would say, are my top three tips. So, and I guess these are the ones you use yourself to, to cope with this situation as well. Yeah, exactly. If I'm potentially in a maybe in a very starting to be in a very bad place what do i do to actually to 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 release myself to start to actually take care of my mental health because i have all these things coming in you know the the emails are coming how do i actually take that first step because we all know the first step on any beginning is the most important and how do we actually do that because it i guess you just sometimes can feel so overwhelmed that you just keep on drowning in things and you just every day you're just getting in a worse and worse position what is your like uh you know can you give it like a tip like a what is the the, the path that people need to, to start on and what so they can actually start improving their mental health and take action and responsibility for it i really like your idea of a path there so i'm going to run with that one michael if i may this is the path that i would suggest for people and in all honesty some days it's just about surviving and getting through the day and knowing that it's okay to admit that you know I've got things that I can do but I can't I can't feel like I can do it every day and I'm trying really hard but things don't seem to be working out and and maybe I just need to you know understand that some days are just like that and sometimes it's just about getting through and surviving but you know obviously this works much better if we're putting something positive into place as well so My main tip for the very, very beginning of that path is what we call radical acceptance. And I love this because it's not always easy, but it really works if we can do it. So one of my mantras for this is something that I learned many, many years ago as an assistant psychologist in um, an inpatient ward. And, you know, the people on that ward were, were very, very chronically ill and quite intensely ill. So they were frequently trying to take their own lives and very, very distressed individuals. And we practiced radical acceptance together therapeutically. And one of our mantras was, everything is as it should be. And to me, that's become something that I've, I've never forgotten. This was many years ago, but it's about stopping the fight that we have against the things that we don't desire. It's about freeing our minds of 
the pain and anguish of trying to change or control things that we don't want to happen. And don't get me wrong, I really struggle with this at times, really, really do. And I completely lose that sense of acceptance sometimes. But the sense of relief and release when you get it right, when you can just radically accept whatever's happening, trust the process, the path that you're on, and somehow things will be okay once again, they'll change. Yeah, that's amazing. And I always say there's there aren't many guarantees in life, but one of them is nothing stays the same. So even when we're in our highest and lowest moments, something will change at some point. And then the next part of that path, I would say, is focusing on the positive. So this is where positive psychology comes in. And it's focusing what you've got in your life that makes you feel happy, that you can nurture more of by attending to the positives, because you know our brains tend to attend more to the negatives. So we have to, to break that pattern and help our brains to seek out the positives a bit more. So, um, you know, our brains work a bit like any other muscle in our body. And the more we train them in the positive, the more easily they're going to find that. So we need to give our brains the right messages, seek out the positive experiences, positive emotions, positive thoughts, and train those neural pathways and thinking about, about the good things until it comes more naturally to us. And, you know, I must say that, of course, there's, there's great value in attending to negative experiences. And that's what I said at the beginning, you know, sometimes we just need to have some downtime and sadness and grief all have their place. But we, we sometimes just need some support, a confidant or a professional um, that we can talk to to work through those things and get to kind of a more positive place. So I'd say that, yeah, starting with accepting and then moving on to some positive thinking is that's that's a very over overarching view of the path that I would suggest people take. It's super interesting what you said about accepting sometimes you are in the rot. Because when you get comfortable with that, you can actually start seeing the first step sometimes down that line. And uh, we talked a bit before we went on the podcast and we talked before. So one of my favorite book is The the Alchemist. And uh, this the book is about this uh, sheep farmer that actually goes on this journey. And it, 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 sometimes it looks very dark for him and other times it looks very happy. But every time he starts accept where he is in that journey life bounce back in a positive way because suddenly you can see life in a bigger picture in a more positive way and you can actually find the solutions and i think yeah if if anybody should if you haven't read that book out i think it's a it's it's a must read for 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 anyone if you're a leader or not it just helps you sometime to understand there's there's a beautiful journey and path for all of us if we can just accept where we are sometimes and enjoy it in the moment instead of thinking about what the next thing is all all the time. Because I guess that in this is also the big pressure point. We all think we are forced to be able to tell what the next step is, especially leaders. What is direction? What is what is expected of us? What can we do? How can we create growth? How can we save the business? Is there any other books you would like? Because one of my favorite things is books, but I don't know uh, if, if, if you have some like top books, you say, if people really want to improve their mental health, they should just should have a look at these books. Well, I do have some book recommendations. And I believe that the way we're going is uh, to this kind of more human approach that I talked about a bit earlier. So one of my favourite and most inspirational authors and speakers is a lady called Brené Brown. She's Texan. And I've just finished her book called Braving the Wilderness. And I had to reread so many pages. It took me quite twice as long to read it, but it's because I... I wanted to go over what she was saying because it felt so important to life. And it's about, you know, being being true to yourself when 
you know you're not sure what else is going on but kind of sticking sticking by yourself and being your own kind of best friend I guess and um, accepting yourself and everything else um it's amazing she writes really well I think that it's got some really nice insights she's she's very passionate about two of the, the areas that I'm most passionate about which is authenticity and vulnerability and um I'm not, uh, I, this is, this might be a bit cheeky, Michael, but to partly answer your question, I'm actually writing a book myself. So I would also obviously recommend that when it's out, <laughs> which is, um, it's going to be about the human qualities of mental well-being, basically. So or about being yourself, being authentic, having those connections, gratitude, positive attitude, um, the positives of vulnerability, you know, how we are in the world, how do we look after ourselves? And it's all, it's going to be about kind of what we go through and then just being being true to our human selves and how we can be happy as humans, basically in the most natural and positive way. So I'm I'm halfway through that now. So I'm hoping to get it finished by the end of the year. So if if people are listening to this kind of towards the end of this year or beginning of next, still, then <laughs> I would recommend that book as well. Obviously, <laughs> we will we will notch the uh, the community when uh, when it's out. That, uh, <laughs> because I, I can only from this conversation think that's going to be a great piece of tool to have to to get started as well. Bless you. Thank you. In the end of the podcast, we often take the lens and towards the, the leaders of organizations and, uh, and they, they, of course, they're looking for ways to, to bounce back right now. How do I bounce back? How do I, or how do I actually strengthen my position as I uh, bounce back? What would you be if you were sitting with a, a leader right now? What would you be your, your three advice uh, uh, for him and, uh, or her organization and what should they do? I think it's partly going back to basics. So, you know, who are you? What are you wanting to achieve? What do you really believe in? I think that those human factors are so important. It's got to be authentic. It's got to be genuine. So what's actually going on here? What do you want? What are you looking forward to? What are you passionate about? What are you motivated to do? Because during a difficult time, if you're not passionate and motivated genuinely, it's not going to work. It's going to take too much effort. So I think that people need to be really insightful, kind of inward looking to themselves. What role do they want to play? What can they do? Um, you know, genuinely, what can we do? And kind of it's, it's going to be very individual, obviously, for different people. But I think that's the starting point is just stop and pause for a moment and have those honest conversations about where you're at and where you're wanting to go. And then from there, it's about taking the next small step. Because what we often do is we focus on this future goal, which can be quite huge. And you talked about overwhelm earlier, and I think that's a really good word to use to describe how people feel at the moment. It's too overwhelming to think about how do I, you know, how do I get my business back to pre-pandemic, for example, might be a question. Maybe that's that's the end goal, maybe, but maybe that's not the goal for right now. Maybe the goal for right now is to take the next small step in a positive direction, because as, as long as we're moving, we're not staying stuck. And that's the most important process, I think. That's an interesting lad advice that, you know, also that, uh, you know, enjoy that, that you actually are moving things forward and accepting sometimes it's not moving or it's going backwards. That's also part of the process. Again, coming back to the radical acceptance, isn't it, of of the, the world you operate in. It's nothing. Nobody knows the answers here. What are what are what are the, the difficult question? My last question for you: What is the most difficult question you're looking for yourself in all this as a business leader to answer right now? <laughs> That's a good one. Um, I 
I'm so you're speaking to me now as I am visiting my family for the first time since pre-pandemic so the first thing that comes into my mind is I've been spending a lot of time you know talking to them we've been going down memory lane and it's been lovely really quite you know emotional and in a really lovely way and long overdue seeing them and spending time with them and I've been thinking about my business and it's coming back to authenticity in a way but how I've changed over the years and who I really am and who I want to be in this world so I'm really passionate about the well-being of people but I'm also really passionate about the well-being of the planet so I think it's just about for me I've got that question about who who am I what do I want to do when I when I leave this earth what's my legacy you know and I know it's a big question so as I said just now it's not about reaching it right now but it's just about taking the next small step and inviting those opportunities or putting the feelers out there or whatever it might be but for me the question is okay who are you Vic who what do you want to be doing and what is your business really about and how do you shine in your business because I don't I don't want my business is just me at the moment I don't want to not be authentic in that I don't know whether that makes any sense because it is it's a hard question to answer what's your hardest question (laughs) but I think it's something about my sincerity and authenticity and everything that I do I think you did that very well because it is a difficult question. Somebody asked me the other day and I just thought from the conversation we had, this was was relevant to ask you as well. So thank you for being authentic, uh, radical, honest and sharing that because you're probably not the only one out there. And uh, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will top in there and say, I am on that journey myself as well. And uh, even though you thought pre this that, you know, you knew where you were going, I am, I'm, definitely also have reflection about how I I think it's very well said how can you shine within your business um uh, and at any level no matter how big it is you need as the the founder to to be in the right place so that, that was a great way to 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 end this uh, amazing conversation Vicky thank you so much for your time and your amazing advice and contribution and and, and bringing up this uh, conversation about mental health I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there that's going to take things from it so I will send you all the power and energy you need in answering your difficult question and moving moving ahead every day bless you Michael thank you it's always such an absolute pleasure to talk to you and you know that like-minded spirit you out there with the same kinds of passions so I send all of that energy and wonderful positive power right back at you (laughs) thanks ever so much Vicky thank you so much for giving us a better understanding of the importance of taking care of ourselves and others I'm sure there's a lot of people reflecting after they tuned in to this one. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, share, rate, or subscribe to one of our channels. If the subject around well-being and mental health interests you, I will recommend you also to visit our previous episode, Surviving the Shitstorm, Episode 7, with Elaine Basso. Tune in next time for another interview, and in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to our newsletter at hospitalitymavericks.com. Thanks for listening and be maverick.